Isaiah 46, 8 through 11. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. Welcome back to the Blue Collar Marines Podcast. We are back. I am your one of your hosts, Nate Penley, and I'm sitting here with Scott McGrady. We are glad to be back here, jumping back into where we left off from last week's uh, discussion uh, about about the election and just the crazy times that we're in. Uh, before we jump in here, uh, just a quick reminder. Uh, once again, hit us up on our Facebook page, Blue Collar Marines Facebook page. Email us at bluecollarmarines at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your questions. Um, if you have something you, you'd like for us to discuss or talk about, uh, we'd love to hear your ideas, or if you even just want to interact with us a little bit and give us some pushback on things we've said, we'd love to be able to sharpen each other. That's the whole idea of us being Bereans, is that we're going to search the scriptures, we're going to go to it. Uh, so we'd love to hear your feedback. Also, uh, you know, we'd love it if you could, wherever you find us at, wherever your preferred method of finding us for podcasts are, if you could subscribe, leave us a review, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, so I think that's all that I have as far as announcements. We're going to jump back into where we left off with last week's discussion. So here we go. Like we said before, there's always irregularities. And, and I think, I know in myself, I have to keep from the temptation of, of just coming to the conclusion, of just wrapping him in my mind saying, of course there is. I mean, I was listening to the some of the, the trial, uh, I think it was the Wednesday before, you know, the day before Thanksgiving with Giuliani here in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how, you know, when you, you see an increase in vote, votes are being counted and you see the increase come, there's usually this gradual incline. Yep. Uh, but what you see in Pennsylvania, you see all these spikes. You don't see a gradual incline, you see spikes. And yeah. and, and he talked about, I forget what the numbers were, it was like 300,000 some uh, of these votes that were just these spikes. And mm-hmm. there was like 32,000 that were for right. Trump. Right. And so even statistically speaking, the numbers didn't make any sense. Yeah. And especially when you think in Pennsylvania, when at like 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night, they're like, oh, we're going to, we're done counting for the night. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And then uh, suddenly at 3 a.m., there's all these votes that come in. It's like, well, I thought you, I thought you were done counting for the night. Right. And, and, and so there's, there's things like that that raise question. But at the same time, even as Giuliani's talking about, you know, a gradual curve as opposed to a spike, I, I really don't know what he's talking about. Does that really make a difference? Is that really something? Or is he just building a case as a lawyer, you know, being a good lawyer and so talking a good talk? I have no idea. Right. Uh, but at the same time, it sounds good. Yeah. And, and so whether it is or not, I don't, I don't know. I can't judge that. And so me not being able to judge it, I have to be careful mm-hmm. uh, in how I take information and that I do do research, that I should be looking into right. whether these idea of spikes are a real concern or not. And but I have to be careful. But it's really, it's really hard. I think, especially as we've been going through this year, and you've seen, 
you know, coming into the election and after the election be like, no, there's no fraud. There's no way there could be fraud. Fraud is impossible. And there's been a bunch of people that have, have made the point saying these are all the same people who are saying, no, it's impossible that there could be fraud in an election that for the last four years have been arguing that there was fraud in the 2016 election, yeah. that there was the Russian collusion. And yeah. so... Uh, and that's true. That that makes you be like, yeah, see, there there had to have been fraud. And especially when someone comes out and says, this is the most secure election there has ever been. Come on. <laughs> right. Seriously. Right. And I, I am the biggest skeptic on the planet whenever I hear these things. Like, just, just stop. Just stop it. And yet, it's hard to not find myself becoming one in 2020. I know. When, when media makes statements like that this is the most secure election i mean that makes me into a conspiracy theorist like how dumb do you think i am i know the human heart i mean it may not be there may not be massive voter fraud but you can't tell me like there's been zero fraud anywhere of course there's fraud somewhere of course there's i mean even at the very least negligence right <laughs> i mean it's just is insane to to think about dealing with comments like that. It, it but it's it's adding more fuel to the fire in our political divide. But again, to me, uh, that still all begs the question of of where do we stand with it, and biblically, how should we be thinking through when there's this such a dispute that's going on and things are being taken to the courts? How quick should we be to make a decision in in our own minds and our own hearts? Right. And I think what we need to do is we need to let it go to the courts. Right. And then wait and see. I think we need to be patient. Uh, has there been fraud? Obviously, there's been some degree of something. There always is. Yeah. I mean, to think that there's not anything, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Every year there's something. Mm -hmm. But again, is it really something that can overturn an election? Right. Is it really something to the, the extent of deceit that we've been hearing about? Mm -hmm. I think we need to wait and see. And I think there's biblical reason that we should wait and see. Would we want to go through some of these scriptures where uh, we look at evidence, just laws and societies? So Deuteronomy nineteen eighteen through 19 states, The judges shall inquire diligently, and if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother. So shall you purge the evil from your midst. That's, that's a really b big and important one, um, and it should... If we lived in a just society where punishments were carried out, it should cause us to think, before I make a false accusation at someone, whatever the penalty for that accusation is would then happen to me. So if I accuse my brother of murder, well, the penalty for death, uh, penalty for murder would be death. It would be life for life. That's the just punishment given out in the law there. So if I accused my brother of murdering someone, and then it was found out I was bearing false witness, well, now I get that penalty. Uh, and so when we accuse, even in this scenario, someone of stealing, which, as we've said, both sides are accusing each other of stealing, if actual evidence was found, we should care about that. We should care about how, how we deal with that. And I think it, it speaks to how quick we make a judgment and spew out what we're thinking and saying. Right. Because if we are saying, oh, yep, obviously the election was stolen or... Obviously, it wasn't, and Trump's just causing issues for our country and just being, right. you know, hot-headed Trump. And if you don't know that, what are you doing? Yeah, it's it, it's a lie. You're bearing false witness. Yeah, right. And so, yeah, I think that 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 should speak volumes to to how we approach this whole thing. Right. 
Exodus 20.16 says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. 23.1 says, You shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with the wicked man to be a malicious witness. So again, if you're saying, if you're speaking something and saying something you don't really know, you're spreading a false report. Right. Uh, and that's lying is what it amounts to. Right. And then we, we have Psalm 15, verses 2 and 3, which says, He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. Uh, and so again, to spread falsely about Biden stole the election and or Trump's just hothead causing trouble for our country. I mean, either way, that's you don't know. It's slander. Right. And so we need to wait and allow the, the courts to work that out. And then and then first Peter chapter two, verse one for the Christian says, so put away all malice, which is wanting to do evil against someone, doing harm against someone. Put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Uh, so these ideas of lies and slander, and it has no place in the Christian life. It has no place for what it looks like to for the Christian to be following Christ and to be growing in Christ's likeness. Right. And as Christians, I mean, we should be the people speaking truth to this situation. If we right. value truth, if as as our God and creator is the embodiment of truth himself, his word is truth. We have the truth and we should be speaking it to this situation. We should not be, we are tempted, but we should not give into the temptation to jump on a bandwagon and start hurling accusations that we don't know. That is irresponsible as a Christian to be able to, to make these accusations about people. And I get the temptation on on a lot of levels. One, because there are things that obviously raise questions. Right. And and so to have questions, to have a question isn't wrong. Right. And then at the same time, I do have feelings of how I did want the election to go. Right. <laughs> and so wrestling with all that and and the feelings I've had about the election and the what's best for our country and, and moving forward and what's best for the, the church to be able to flourish and freely gather to worship and, and to freely proclaim the gospel, I, I had a desire in the election. Right. And, and so with if all your, of, if your desire is so strong that it's going to, you're going to make slanderous accusations against me for asking a question. Right. Well, then you've, you've obviously missed the point. Right. Exactly. Right. And again, though I can, I understand the temptation at the same time, we, we have to have our focus in being my words and my actions are to honor and glorify God and trust him in the circumstance and to allow that to keep us from from slander. Right. So we, we really need to work at being honest, being truthful with ourselves, with each other, with the facts. And you there's so much information. It's hard to process, but we need to be wise in what we speak to truth. If we're, if we're quick to grab onto something and claim it as truth because we want it to believe, because we want it to be true, uh, we're sinning. We're not being honest. And if you're not honest, usually it's because we're slandering people, because we're bearing false witness. So the truth comes out. And turns out Biden and Trump were in a collusion <laughs> to, to make us start a civil war. All right, that's the craziest thing I could think of right here. Turns out they're both they're both crooked and they're is, both Is it really the craziest thing really in 2020? Sad to say, <laughs> it's really not that far from from, from a possible a possibility. 
So whatever, whatever the truth may be, the truth comes out. What do we do with this truth? Uh, someone, let's say someone has been proven to be now found guilty. And you were saying the whole time Trump was right. And you wanted that to be true. And I was saying the whole time that you know Trump is, is just making all this stuff up. He's making complete slander. And you were slandering me. We were slandering each other. And then the truth comes out. Hey, guess what? Trump is actually wrong. Now we've sinned against each other. Uh, there's sin that has happened. And let's say deserving of what Trump did now, he needs to go to jail. He needs to pay the price. It's easy to want blood when that happens. These people are wicked. Look at how bad they were for promoting this person who was wrong, uh, for promoting their ideology, their political party that was wrong. And we have a desire for blood. And I think in the root there, there is a desire for justice. But whose job is justice? I think that's why you included the scripture, Romans 12. Uh, Romans 12:19, which says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So, so what does this mean? Does this mean we never promote justice? Does this mean we, we never pursue justice and see just punishments happen for the crimes that are committed? No, I think this, what this is pointing to is the fact that no matter what, we can trust God. Right. God will make all things right, if not in this life, in the next. Uh, it is not our job to then go to the streets and burn everything to the ground because we didn't get our way. Whichever side that may be, it's not, it is not up to me to go make my, my neighbor's life miserable or my family's life miserable because they see differently than me politically, because, they, because they're wrong and I'm right. It's not my job to make sure you get yours and that you suffer right. to the extent that I now feel better about me and my vindication. Right. Because that's what I think is justice. And no, that's that's not at all. It's it's justice is left to God. Right. And as Christians, as we speak truth, we still need to speak truth in love. That doesn't mean we back down from the truth. Doesn't mean we're not bold. Uh, but it does mean that the goal of me speaking this truth is not to feel good about myself, to win an argument to belittle them or to cause them harm. The goal in me speaking truth is to point them to Christ. Uh, that should be my goal in my speech and what I say and do. That should be our goal in promoting justice. And as I said, like we can trust God to take care of the justice. We should still promote our society to be just. Uh, we should speak that truth to it. But we have to remember that there is an element of that it is out of our hands. It is in God's control, and we can trust that because as we've talked about the sovereignty of God, we should be able to trust him. He is in control, and not just our nation, but the whole world. And most importantly, he is sovereign over our redemption, which gives me the hope that no matter what, no matter what. And so we have to trust in that sovereignty. Right. And that so... We have to know what all right, what does scripture tell us about his sovereignty when it comes to our country, when it comes to the government, when it comes to the world around us. And we, we have to believe what the scriptures say and so understand that even if things don't go the direction we are hoping it would go in, even if uh, things are turning a certain way that we can't understand what good can come out of it, we trust God's sovereignty in it all. Yeah. So that's where we see that in Romans 13. 1 through 7, it says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, 
no authority except from God. God's the one who puts the governing authorities in their place. Mm -hmm. He goes on and says, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is an authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. And so, again, there you see God's sovereign over the the governing authorities. God's the one who puts them in place for his purposes. Now, there is a purpose for government, which is what's laid out here. The government may not be carrying out that purpose that God has for it, but nonetheless... It says here, there is no authority in place except for that which God has put in place. Right. Right. And so we should trust that system. Yeah. No matter what. And I know that, I don't know if we want to get into this here at all, but I'm still, in a lot of ways, working through this. Because there's certainly a lot of disagreements in Christian circles as to how this applies. Right. I, I've I've heard it said in a manner that says that the application would be that well, Governor Wolf has unlimited authority to to dictate any aspect of our life as long as it doesn't contradict Scripture. And I, I'm really struggling with that extreme side of application. I know there's another extreme side that really just kind of rejects all of Scripture and just says, you know, we don't have to listen to those authorities. But I, I do think... As as I'm still working through this, you know, I, I really see that God's put us in a particular time, a particular context. And when it says obey the authorities, it does beg the question, what is our authority? And I do believe we have been given authority through the Constitution. It does grant us authority. And it is part of our job, part of our duty as as authorities to protect people, to protect people from injustice. And that's why our government was set up this way, because we have thousands upon thousands of years of history to show how the human heart is corrupted by power and the attempt in our very very infantile government system that's only been around for a couple hundred years the goal was to try to disperse some of this power and have checks and balances in place and we are part of that i think the constitution gives us the power to keep those checks and balances there and I would say, as an act of loving my neighbor, I should work towards protecting my neighbor, protecting people from accumulating too much power, because power corrupts. Uh, the human heart is just not meant. I mean, I look forward for the day when we do have that true and perfect king who, who I can trust. I can trust him to be my perfect ruler, to have absolute authority, and not have to worry about his wicked heart coming into play. But men always fall short. And I think this is, it's not a perfect system, but the Constitution does grant me power as a citizen, does grant me authority, a lesser authority, and I still need to subject myself to the authorities that our Constitution has put over top of me. But it doesn't give them unlimited authority. I think, I'm, like I say, I'm still working through this and struggling with it myself. 
um, as I as I see like how do I get involved as a citizen? How do I how do I speak truth to this situation? Um, I, I'm not sure there's a, a right answer to this in absolute terms yet. I, I'm still struggling with how we we work through this together. And I th- I think and I don't know if I've said this in the previous podcast when we talked about the government. I think with the episodes of you know Christ as head of the church, and we discussed the spheres of authority. I may have said this then, but I think something that seeing the divide over this passage, right, and seeing that there's really not been a whole lot of thought put into how we should apply this passage by so many. We haven't had to. Right, and that's, yes. that's what I was going to say. So, I mean, it speaks to one that we've been pretty comfortable. Yeah. Which, on one hand, we can say is a good thing. It's where, a blessing. Right. And so on one hand, you know, yes, we we've, we've, we haven't run into our, our freedoms as believers being uh, infringed upon. And we've been able to have church and do our church and do our thing and and move pretty comfortably through this time up until this point. And so we haven't felt need to really ask, what is this truly saying? Yet then on the other hand, yeah, it's a blessing on one hand, but on another hand, it, it speaks a lot to us. And and uh, I mean, I would say it throws a little condemnation on me as an individual, as us as a church in the United States that Quite frankly, I feel like when 2020 happened, we were not prepared. And that's not a good thing. <laughs> I mean, we, we were not prepared. And that's, I think that's, that's a condemnation on, on the church. We should care. We should, we should be studying all of God's word. And not like, there's, there's thousands of years of history where people have had to think through this. They've written books about it. I haven't read any of them. Right. I've just recently begun reading because, hey... People have gone through this before. They've made theologies about it, and I don't know any of them. I don't know any of their arguments. Right, and and that's the problem, where we were comfortable, and so we got lax. Right. And so uh, we didn't pursue the scriptures as we should. And I think that's, too, the curse of being comfortable, where where we forget now really what we should be depending on and what we're pursuing, and and now we just are pursuing our comforts. And then so out of that comes the Joel Osteens and the... Uh, the Kenneth Copelands and all of those yeah. others that, that rise up because now we're comfortable. And so really uh, theology and doctrine goes to the wayside and right. just what makes me feel good now co- surfaces the front. And so, yeah, there's a lot of condemnation here. And so then that's another good thing of now we feel pressure. Now there's suffering, there's pain, there's a fight to be won, which is now pushing us back onto right. the scriptures, which is a good thing. Whatever pushes us onto the scriptures, right. whatever causes us to dig in further is a good thing. Hopefully this is a gentle rebuke from God in 2020, <laughs> and it will cause us to go back to scriptures. It will cause us to go back and look and, and, and know, our, know his word better. Hopefully he doesn't need to continue this in 2021 in order for us to make this point, but... I still don't know. I, I'm not very, uh, I don't have a lot of uh, hope for that. I mean, I think of all of the false prophets that got exposed in 2020, yep. of how 2020 was going to be the year of prosperity and 2020 <laughs> was going to be this and that. And, and, they and then still haven't learned or repented. No. And, and people are still following these jokers. And so I, I'm not very optimistic. My, my cup is half empty. Yeah. And so. <laughs> I, I, I mean, for anyone that hears us. I hope this is an encouragement to get back to scripture to to it is a gentle rebuke I think at this point I mean 2020 while it may be rough I think it's it is safe to say that we have not still even in 2020 America seen persecution like uh 
like communist Russia Christians did. Right. Like right now, communist China Christians are. North Korean Christians. We have not seen that level of persecution. But I think we'd be foolish to say we're not on a path headed down that down that path right now where right. it will lead to that. And so hopefully this will cause us to think, go back to Scripture and reevaluate, uh, help sharpen us, help us to think through this and, and be prepared. Um, because it's not, it's not just going to go away by itself. I am by nature a procrastinator, and I often think if I sweep things under the rug... They go away, but they never do. They never do. They're always there. They always get found out. And I always look like a fool when they do, thinking, like, what were you thinking? Like, this would go away? I, and it's it's <laughs> having four kids and one of them who was really just like me and watching him do the same things that I used to do. I think, man, it's. I look at him and think, I am such an idiot. <laughs> Why did I do that as a kid? And why is my kid just like me? <laughs> I hope I can encourage him to not make all the same mistakes I did along the way. Yeah. I, the, you know, there's a, as you're saying, are we heading down this path? Somebody just brought to my attention this book that I really want to get. If, you, if you've read this book and you have any comments on it, please let us know. Go to our Facebook page, email us, uh, Bereans at gmail.com, uh, facebook.com backslash Bereans. And let me know, the, the book, When a Nation Forgets God, Seven Lessons We Must Learn from Nazi Germany by Erwin Lutzer. Yeah, this was brought to my attention. I really want to get this and read it. Uh, because, yeah, I think you're right. We're, we're heading down a path uh, where history is repeating itself. Mm-hmm. And, and if we don't, I, mean, I know it's cliche to say, but if we don't know history, we're bound to repeat it, right? Yeah, right. And uh, that seems to be where we're headed. <clears throat> and I think that's true even as we've seen them change history in the schools, where you have the 1619 Project, right. where they're completely changing history. Right. And because there's an agenda to get us to. And so I think it's true that if we can twist our history and twist our understanding of where we've been and where we've come from and how things have transpired, then, yeah, we're just going to go down those same roads of destruction. And and there have been people that have been purposely trying to lead us that direction. Right. We as comfortable American citizens, quite frankly, don't know our history well enough. So when we hear this, it's easy for us to buy into it. Always as a kid, my father would always say, they don't teach history in school anymore. (laughs) And to be fair, though, he was right. Yeah. And and the few that tried to teach me, I could I just didn't care. I had Nintendo to play and <laughs> and movies to watch and friends to hang out with. Uh, I had it easy as a kid. Well, yeah. I mean, really, when I think about it, and I, it, the nineties were good. <laughs> they were. They were the best TV was on That's there. Right. I mean, how could I pay attention to U.S. history or world history? That's right. I don't really cared about that. But now I, I'm looking back, like man, I see the importance. I need to know it. And certainly, I think it's some of these projects that are looking to reinterpret history, I think they are genuinely malicious, and it, it's sad to see it happen. However, having said that, I think there is an element of history where at times it's been whitewashed, right. and we promote the things that we like, that we like to remember, and we don't, we don't care to take time to look at the ugly as well. Right. And we need to look at the whole picture. Right. Sure, there there were great things that happened. They happened by flawed men. How do I know they're flawed men? Well, first of all, because everyone's flawed. I know Scripture says all, everyone falls short. We know as we look through the Bible and look at some of faith's greatest heroes, all of them were flawed in pretty horrific ways oftentimes. But God still uses them. And so I think we should still be able to look at 
the blessings, at the awesome things that God did with these people and brought to us with these people. And even through our recent history in America, you know, God raised up people and, and did some great things and created a great nation. They were flawed, no doubt. And, and we need to teach all of history, but we need to be prepared because when people throw out these conspiracy theory histories, and a lot of it is truth mixed in with kind of like how the media reports what they want you to hear <laughs> and omits what they don't want you to hear. They're just giving you a his history that is not truly representative of all of history, of all the facts, and we need to be prepared. So by the time this, this comes out, by the time this recording is edited and, and out there to hear, we may know the outcome of these uh, court hearings. We may know what went to the Supreme Court and what didn't and what their ruling was, or we may not. And so this may be still just as relevant. But in either case, let's ask the question, what should our response be, first off, if Trump is vindicated? What is the biblical Christian response in the circumstance where Trump is vindicated? He, it has been shown that there has been enough fraud, that the election was stolen, and that he really is our president, or continues to be our president. Right, well, I mean, if, if fraud is, is proven to be evident and, and massive, I think as a nation, we should really look to fix that problem. I mean, that's, that's, that's a major problem. I think we should have learned back in 2000 with, with Florida, the hanging, with right. Florida, right, with the hanging chads, chads uh, that I, I don't understand as I've, I've, even as I've, I've reflected on it more, like why for national elections, why does every state have their own thing? Shouldn't it just be the same across the board? Look at what Florida did to fix it because they obviously fixed their issues. Right. I mean, this election, they were lickety split. They had everything vo right. uh, counted and in and, and they, they had no issues. They obviously fixed their problems. And so why can't we as a nation do that and have across the board elections that are, are the same right. in every state instead of, I, I it doesn't do, make sense I to me for national this, elections. I, anyway, that's not necessarily the biblical right, response. Right. But, <laughs> well, I think what we're trying to get at is we, we should care about justice. We should care about making it right. Um, and at the same time, uh, if Trump becomes our president. Remains our president. Because he is correct, right now our president. Correct. I misspoke. If he remains our president. Uh, I, I think no matter what, I mean, like I say, I keep saying this, but I, I go back to it. I thank God for where I'm at. Personally, I would say I thank God because I think religious freedoms are going to be preserved a little longer, and it's right. going to give me a little longer time to fight, to help train my generation, to know their word better, to study the word better, to preach Christ to all of our communities and build a Christian culture that is glorifying to God and hope that we can turn things around. But... Even if, even if Trump didn't, isn't vindicated, and, and Biden won honestly, and he becomes my, I feel like my day to day is still somewhat the same. I still get up, I still worship my Creator, I look to His Word, I learn, I preach Him wherever I go, I point my family to that as the head of my household, and I treat my brethren with love. I try to speak truth to the situation. I don't slander people. Um, all these things we've talked about, no matter what, it doesn't. It doesn't change that much. I mean, the circumstances may change. I may get a little more persecution this day or the other. I might have a little freedom that's taken away here or there. But I still need to be consistent in preaching Christ, Christ crucified, and, and preaching that to my community who is lost and hope that can give them peace. Um, yeah, I think, I think if Trump is vindicated and continues to be the president, I mean, we, like you said, I think that's going to give us some more freedoms 
and ability to continue to worship and preach and uh, benefits to our family. I mean, I think we want a healthy economy. Right. And and I think he clearly did that. Again, COVID uh, kind of trashed that. Uh, but before COVID hit, obviously, the economy was very strong. Yeah. We do want, uh, you know, things that are good for people in that sense. Uh, but in the end of the day, though, I, I still have to sit and say, I'm going to pray for my government leaders, right. as Scripture directs me to. Right. As we see there in First Timothy chapter 2, that we are to be praying for those in authority. We're to be praying for the kings and the governors and all of those. Right. And so how, I pray and how do for we him. pray for them? Well, I think in there in First Timothy, really, it's that's an evangelistic prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole point of of that list is, is evangelism, and so we're praying so that we can be free uh, to be able to worship and to proclaim the gospel. We're we're praying for uh, them to be godly and for their hearts to be turned to God. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, in all of this, whatever conclusion of us that you're getting from this, it should not be that we are big Trump fans and that we, we love Trump and we're so excited that Trump's our president. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's much about Trump I do not like. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot. There's, <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, and I, honest, I would say my prayer for either of them is the same for both sure. of them. I want them to repent. Right. And I, and I realize you might say, well, I'm judging their hearts. I, I am judging their actions. I've seen their actions. I've seen what they've said. And I have no reason to believe that either of them have repented of their sin and right. given their life to Christ. And I want my leaders to do that. Right. Not just for my benefit, for their benefit, for everyone's benefit. Right. I, I want a nation that repents from their sin and turns to Christ. And my prayer for either of them is the same. Uh, because, once, like I say, I'm not a Trump fan by any stretch of imagination. I don't like him. I don't think he's a good representation of someone who has repented and is serving Christ with all he does. Uh, it doesn't mean that I still don't think he's probably the better candidate. He's right. going give to us, give us these freedoms to, to operate. I think that is loving of my neighbor, of my family, to fight for these freedoms. But, yeah, I, there's still, uh, I'm still going to pray for them, and I'm praying for them to come to Christ. And again, we said there's a lot of good. And I think right. in that we can think of, you know, people have said, well, you know, with a Republican in place, then less babies are going to die. And and that's true. And on one hand, okay, I, I feel that sentiment mm-hmm. that, yeah, you're right, less babies are going to die. Uh, the, the supposed pro-lifeness of the Republican Party will save some babies' lives. But at the same time, I am tired of calling the Republican Party pro-life when they're not. They've not been pro-life. They've been pro-regulating abortion. And I'm tired of regulating abortion. Abortion should be ended. Yep. Uh, And so that goes back to what am I going to do? I'm going to pray that he's convicted of this being murder and not to be uh, regulated, but to be completely ended. Right. Uh, That's what we want to see. And that's what we should be calling our uh, Legislators. legislators, our congressmen, Senators. Or senators and saying, listen, this is what you are to push for. If you are actually pro-life, really be pro-life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not enough to just say, well, I, I did my vote. Uh, I think we do need to hold their feet to the fire when they make promises and they don't keep them. Uh, and that every politician does that, makes a lot of hollow promises, and we need to hold them accountable because lives are at stake here. I think People are dying. Right. Um, and so, yeah, but I mean, that's that's going to be part of the prayer and all of those things. And then on the other hand, if Biden 
is president again, what am I going to do? I'm going to pray. Right. I'm going to pray for his salvation, like I said. We're going to pray for our freedoms, that the Lord, if he so sees fit to allow us to continue to be free and continue to gather freely and continue to preach the gospel freely, then uh, we're going to pursue that and seek that. And if we don't get to do it freely, if our freedoms are taken away, glory to God. Yeah. Soli Deo Gloria. Yeah. We're going to we're gonna continue to meet. Mm-hmm. If we means that we end up with a prison ministry. <laughs> Consider it joy. <laughs> then, yeah, ex- exactly. Uh, then, then that's what happens. I think it was John MacArthur who said, you know, that's one thing I never did. I never had a prison <laughs> ministry, so bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we'll, we'll follow suit with that attitude. Right. Um, but either way, like you said, it, until something takes us out of where we're at, that says, okay, you, you know, you, you can't meet anymore, and so you have been, so now we're going to bring those consequences. Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise, though, things don't really change for us. We continue in doing what we've been doing. We continue until God sovereignly sees to make a change and do something different. And through it all, depending upon our God, looking to glorify our God and do what he calls us to do. Amen. We're grateful you could join us as we uh, wrap up these couple of episodes talking about the crazy times we live in. Thankful once again for your listening ship whatever it is. So please come back and join us next time on the Blue Calibarians podcast. And as we always say, don't take our word for it. Search the scriptures. Be a Berean, a Blue Collar Berean. We'll see you next time.